This is CliffCentral.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the Futurology Show. And as usual, I have Brett too with me. How's it going? Hey, how are you doing? Good, good, good. Um, right, well, it's a nice uh, rainy afternoon here, so uh, you have no excuse, but rather sit around and listen. And in fact, even better, join us on air. Just remember, you can call us on 0861-555-189, or you can get us on Twitter, or you can get us on Facebook. Um, so, as always, I like to start with the app of the week, and uh, this week I came across an app called Ink Hunter. Now, being what? in South Africa, <laughs> it was pointed out to me I need to pronounce that properly and not say Inkantla, or as uh, Jay-Z would correct us, Inkantla, with a smile and a laugh. How much does it cost? How much does it cost? It is free. How's that? Free app. And like I think a- it's available on both platforms. So what Ink Hunter is all about, it's to help you people that are insisting on putting ink on your bodies not make mistakes. You get to see what your tattoo could look like before you actually go and uh, ink up. Um, You can take a picture and image it and and scan it in. So you can take like a photo of your arm and put it on. Or um, you can actually use like a little bit of augmented reality. That's probably why I came across it because, Brett, you know, we love AR. Um, So you draw like a little smiley face on your arm. You draw these like two little eyes. and Or you get a professional to go and do it. (laughs) This is the idea is we're trying to make sure (laughs) you don't go and get one of those when you wake up in the morning. Who's granny? No no tramp stamps. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, that's the app for me was uh, was Ink Hunter. Um, uh, So funny. What? Say it three times fast. Encanta, 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 Encanta. It's okay, you know we can do whatever we want on this show. Um, speaking of apps, um, Apple did a really cool thing this week, and they've come out with apps for Earth. So for those people that don't use iTunes or don't have an iOS device. Um, you may or may not remember um, the whole red campaign. Remember when the AIDS thing came? They came up with a red iPhone and a red iPod. Um, there were apps that raised money for HIV and AIDS awareness. Yeah. So what um, Apps for Earth is all about is they've partnered with the WWF, the World Wildlife Fund, and um, the revenue and the percentages from the sale of these apps, um, or the proceeds rather, will go to the WWF which I think is quite a cool initiative given everything that's going on at the moment with climate and so on. Uh, yes, Angry Birds is one of them because I knew you were going to ask. Oh, wow. Um, you brought up Angry Birds. Uh, me. Surprise. Never. <laughs> I had to. So what they've done is they've actually got like they've gone and put this whole net full of fish and they're talking about sustainable fishing. So you get like a little um, uh, secret power where you can throw fish at the at the pigs. And again, all their proceeds from the in-apps will go to Apps for Earth. So I thought, yeah, that's pretty, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, so that's uh, my uh, apps for the week. I actually had two because Apps for Earth counts. Now, Brett, as you know, not that I ever moan, um, but for the last no. few weeks, I have been moaning. Um, I'm pleased to say that I resolved my network issue. All I did was port because they pupples and I wouldn't stay with them and I'm not going to spend any more money with them. So network, you know who you are, ding dong goodbye. And I'm very happy at my new network. Great service. Uh, things are working the way they should. I had some more fun this week. 
Um, I got spammed by an insurance company three times on three separate emails from three different mailing lists. Awesome. I know. It was fun. It was more fun for them when I jumped it's on nice Twitter. It's nice you know you can't, eh? No, I know. It is important. But it's even more important when you jump on Twitter and you start getting uh, responses going, please give us your email address. I'm like, sure. I'm going to put my email address. Maybe I'll put my phone number and my ID number on Twitter as well. Yeah. Idiots. I was phoned by a, one of the banks uh, recently, and as soon as I answered the call, I was on hold. <laughs> I answered the call and, <laughs> and then was promptly told that I'm number five in the queue. I'm like, how did this happen? Oh, that's brilliant. It's like those, remember, you, you know, you get those, um, those like message calls where you, you, you know, you, your phone rings, you answer and it says, welcome to da 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 And that's why the red button was invented. Yeah, that's no, fantastic. So yeah, well done. But I said, I'm stopping my moaning. I've got to give a small business a bit of a shout out here. Um, to Rob and his team at Genius outside the Discam in Nickelway. I had an iPhone needing a battery to be replaced. I have never had such good service. Um, I mean, I just want to give one to the little guys for a change. And um, I took the phone in. Um, I was told when I asked about it, if it would, you know, how long it would take. The guy said an hour. Uh, when I did come to do it, they were busy. No problem, sir. He has a loan phone. I mean, really. And not just like some crappy little mono screen Nokia thing. I was given an iPhone. I brought in an iPhone. I left with an iPhone. Next day it was done. Um, so yeah, well done to those guys. So anyone nice, looking man. to fix their screens or their computers or their batteries or anything like that, if you live in the area near Nickelway, go and see Rob and his, and his, uh, and his team. So there's my moaning finished with a positive. And the reason for that is because today we're talking about customer is king. Um, yeah. So with customer is king, I'm going to introduce our guest Manfred Nariskin Ender who's here today from a company called Aikinio. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Brett. Cool. Manfred, um, always, I get people to introduce themselves. You know, I, I, It's much easier that way. You know who you are. Um, so <laughs> tell us who you are and what you do. Um, all right. So I am, I guess at this point in my career, I would consider myself a customer evangelist. Um, and I have spent most of my career in one-to-one -one marketing, either business-to-business -business or customer-to-business or the other way around. Um, and I have worn a number of different hats throughout my career. Are you a sex worker? <laughs> I'm just, just checking. I'm one-to-one in business-to-business and hats. And I was wondering you can keep how quickly uh, this conversation would decline with you. Very quickly. Helmet, um, Very quickly. You guys obviously know each other. Um <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, um, I think the key thing for me here really is around the velocity of uh, how the digitalized world is changing customer engagement. And although we are talking about CRM, I think we've evolved into customer engagement, and mm. that's, that's really where it's heading, Brett. Cool. Now, let's, let's stay with this word CRM because the one thing about having a tech show is we like to throw acronyms and buzzwords in that. I mean, mm. I know… 90% of people know that CRM stands for Customer Relationship Management. But there's a lot more to just that word. You can't walk around and say, well, we do good CRM, you know, and then walk away. Well, I, I, you know, again, I, I just a little bit, uh, I'm not necessarily in 100% agreement with you there. I think there are many people that understand CRM to be software applications. Okay. Um, as opposed to customer relationship management. And uh, in my mind, you know, Management that the term management is also becoming a bit of fallacy in this day and age, because 
I don't think brands or companies have the luxury of managing their customers anymore. Um, I, I read something recently from one of the senior CIOs of IBM who said the customer now owns them as opposed to them owning the customer. Yeah. And I see you nodding there. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. Me too. Yeah. I've seen that uh, (laughs) a few times. Okay, so let's let's just stay there with that because that's quite an interesting topic. I mean, most big corporates, in fact, uh, I would say almost all big corporates, don't actually manage their customers anymore. They outsource it to companies. Um, I mean, companies like yourself would come in and provide that service, and there's various reasons for it. I mean, you can take us through some of those reasons. Um, but again, does the word customer then actually pertain because if you're managing customers for someone else then whose customer are they and where's their loyalty life well again and that's why i mentioned earlier on c2c and b2c so or b2b in other words they are customers of customers and by example so for instance if you're working with a corporate who um, develops a product or a service they have potentially other corporates that they supply uh, that service or product to so Part of that engagement then would be to have a relationship or an ongoing relationship with those companies. In a retail environment, obviously, that becomes a lot more tricky because any product, any commodity product where you go into a retail store um, on any given day, you can choose a different brand experience. So it becomes quite challenging in this day and age to manage that customer effectively. And just on that point, I think the one key thing that we need to talk about is parity or, or the, the leveling of the playing, uh, of the playing field. Yeah. I, I don't think that there is a single company out there that can claim that it has a unique service or product that its competitor doesn't necessarily have. It might come in a different box, in a different configuration, but at the end of the day, especially again in a digitalized world, you've got not just one competitor, you've got 50 or 100, depending on whether you're online or offline. Mm. If you're landlocked, that makes it even more challenging because now how do you reach that customer who is mobile? Yeah. So, I mean, these are the day-to-day challenges that we deal with all the time. Just to, to jump in there, I mean, one of the things that we expect, uh, we're experiencing, and uh, it's more from a digital perspective, is that customer education is the gap. Uh, what customers, what their expectations are uh, of what they're asking for and what your expectations are to deliver that's where the management side of it is really required. The relationship is kind of easy. Handshake, have a meeting, get a brief, go do costing, get it approved, and hopefully everybody pays each other. Uh, but somewhere in the middle is the management that's required. So I've said I'm going to build you X, and you're expecting X plus Y. Uh, that's, is that something that's it's sorted out in a lot of the sort of fundamental CRM processes? Or Well, again, I think there, there are a number of touch points here. I think that you know one of the big things is the more data, the better. You know, in our experience, that that's not necessarily the case. Mm. You know, I think it's about the quality of the data, and there are various software platforms that um, that companies have to manage the incoming data from customers. But the question for us always is, how do you segment that data? And more importantly, what do you do with it? Mm. You know, it's all good and well you collecting data of entry forms or application forms, and through the web and v- all these various uh, channels that are available to you now as a consumer. But at the end of the day, is that organization actually segmenting that data intelligently and are they building a profile around you? Which then brings another thing into play, which is Poppy. 
which is the the um, Protection of Personal Information Act, which came out in November of 2013. And it's still currently under uh, I'm sitting and nodding because we both know oh, yeah. who, who comes to mind here. Yeah. Dr. Doom, dun-dun-dun, where's she? She hasn't called in for ages. We have a seat here available for you, Candice. Yeah, come, Candice, come talk to us. Sorry, carry on with Poppy. So, so, so Poppy <laughs> obviously impacts on the way you are allowed to engage with your customer. You know, So now you have to ask permission. Not that they're necessarily doing it. Um, well, if it takes more than 10 seconds to read, they're probably going to say yes anyway. You know, so you, you have a lot of opt-out things, yeah. unsubscribe. But, you know, and again, for me, email is modern-day direct mail junk, yeah. junk mail, yeah. you know, unless it's really targeted, unless it's really well-segmented. It, it's transient. It lives yeah. for a day. It's like a daily newspaper. You know, if the subject line doesn't catch you, if the communication isn't speaking to you directly, then it really just, you just deleted or you don't even open it. Yeah. Or well, at least in the eighties when it was paper, I got to practice making paper planes. Today they're just use, <laughs> useless. They just clog up my spam bucket. You know, it, it's quite funny. I think, in fact, Manfred, I think you actually said this when we were talking off air. Um, mail, as in post, like paper stuff, has become quite novel again because it becomes tangible. Well, you know, it does we, when the post office is actually working. But um. <laughs> Shit, did you see that article today? The the new CEO, whatever his name is, Mark someone, is on a plane to go down to the telecommunications ministry and, and justifies like gazillion billion rands that he needs to keep this failing ship open, you know? Well, and again, I think if we look at where where is it all moving, you know, what is the customer of the future what, what does he look like or she look like and i think that's also one of those really big challenges is if you look at the 11 12 year old of of today that's your customer of the future now they are not scared of technology um i mean i look at my own children and i look at how simply and easily they engage with this technology and that's the customer of the future so my question or always is what is it that they want how do they want to engage with brands cool i mean let me jump in there so You've mentioned a couple of things that are very key, and this is where you know it's important to understand how to get this right because there's nothing worse than pissing a customer off. I mean, that I think uh, the damage that you could do is probably 10 times more effective than the effective message you were trying to get out. So we've spoken about collecting the data. We've spoken about the different channels that we're looking at. I mean, not in depth, and we can go into that now. Who, if you guys are doing it, awesome. But are we seeing people actually use this data so let me jump in there and actually elaborate that comment i have a card with a shopping company that you have to have a card to shop at this shopping company and i've had this card Online or offline no no physical brick and mortar okay. i've had this card for 20 odd years the communications that this company sends to me is so irrelevant it's scary now, if they'd actually sat down and crushed their big data and collected their data, they're very quick to ask me to keep updating my information. Every time you go and stall or you get an email, it, you could um, you could win X, Y, Z by updating your phone number or whatever. So they, they, they're making a concerted effort to keep their data current, i.e. keep their current and their customer interface current. But when you send me emails offering me a discount on 1 kg of pork ribs, I'm sorry, but you've really screwed up there. Okay. <laughs> well, that comes back to segmentation, Brett. It comes back to understanding who you are as a customer. 
So if you've had this card for 20 years, and I assume it's some kind of a fashion store, so. No. no? They wouldn't have offered me pork ribs <laughs> at a fashion store. Okay. <laughs> uh, Lady Gaga shops, I don't know. Actually, you're right. They haven't been around for 20 years. But, uh, okay. but uh, I mean, I have a, I have a sim- similar example. In fact, I worked on this brand right at the beginning of my career. And in those days, when it was still direct marketing, um, we were actually quite excited working on this brand because they were one of the first to really start capturing data. But it, but it never, it never saw an evolution. I mean, they started that process and to this day and age, I still get my monthly magazine and, and it's still filled with baby stuff and it's still filled with yeah. lingerie and everything else. You don't have an 18 year old. You've still got a newborn. Congratulations. Well, I, well, I have a number of <laughs> children, which yeah. we don't need to get into right now. But I'm sure some of them are listening. That he um, knows of. <laughs> so, um, the point being that at some point in my journey as a consumer, that brand should have started segmenting my purchases because they're tracking this. They're tracking this at point of purchase. So why don't they understand what I'm buying? If my preference is for red socks, then slowly but surely you should start tailoring that communication to my preference. And I think that's where the, where the CRM engaged company of the future is going to be or of the now. In other words, understand who your customer is deliver to them a mass customized message. In other words, understand what they want, how they want it, when they want it. And I think that's also a critical thing is customers are not just coming to you during shopping hours. Mm. They they come to you when they have time. And they're expecting you know? that, that level of interaction outside of shopping hours. And the more sophisticated the customer, the more connected the customer, the more likely the chances are that that customer will do their homework yeah. online. Yeah. And when they're coming in store, they know exactly what they're buying. So that your store, your bricks and mortar store is often just a pickup point. Yeah. And you happen to have the best price. So which, which brings me back to that whole issue of commodity, commodity and, and, and parity in that, uh, it's, it's no longer just about the, the, what you're offering. It's yeah. the price. It's, are you offering the range of brands? Uh, again, talking about a retail environment, but yeah. service levels, uh, service areas are slightly different, and we can go into banking for me. Yeah. Very interesting space. I mean, mobile payment space. Uh, if I can, maybe use one brand by example. Go for it. Yeah. Who have superseded for me personally, the banking brands is First National Bank. If you look at how sure, yeah, how know. well they entered the digitized space by offering their customers tablets at a reduced rate by offering them smartphones at a re- reduced rate or at least the potential you could pay them off giving them access to so company. they gave you they gave you the devices to access yeah. their their online banking facilities and they they are evolving all the time now i talk about fnb all the time um isn't that the epitome of crm then i mean they're using software what they've done is they've sat down in a boardroom or a golf course somewhere they've gone Hold on a second. We've got all this awesome software. We've got all this awesome data. But what happens if the people don't have the devices? Ta-da! Put the device in their hand. I mean, is that a, is that a good example of well, how this it's engine actually, works? It's a great example. Also, but it goes beyond. It goes beyond just the data, Brett. I think what is important is that as an organization, they look at their customer holistically. So, yeah. the data doesn't just sit in the data department. I think every single department in that bank understands where and the, how their customer is moving forward. So even the marketing no longer becomes a responsibility of the marketing people. It becomes a responsibility of everybody. And I think that's the way they, they're approaching 
banking going forward into the point where, you know, at some point we're going to remove the hard currency and we're going to start operating in a digital space. For sure. And I think one of the things that a lot of sort of our clients that we engage with when we're doing lead generation or anything like that to try and get them better relevant or more qualified leads, it's not just data for the sake of data. We don't just want this sitting on a hard drive somewhere in the hopes that maybe one day, somewhere soon, we could try to find out who Jack was on Thursday the 29th of whatever. It's really about interpreting that data. It's sitting there, but we need to bring it down and interpret it in such a way that we can use it mm. for forecasting models. Is this person, sure you buy a pair of socks today, but how frequently are you buying the pair mm. of socks? Every single time you've come in to purchase, you've purchased something up to 100 rand. So you're not spending more than 100 rand. So start defining that and, and specific person. And that's really where our role is, our Kenya sits. I mean, we, we really specialize in strategizing mm-hmm. with clients. Where do we take their CRM? How do we look at their custom en- engagements? How do we manage their data? Um, how do they segment their data? And, and because, it, as I said earlier on, it's not about the volume of data you have. It's about how well you use it. Yeah, you know, and and the data analysis is everything. You know, if you can do predictive models and look at where your customer is moving to, obviously that helps you map your business as well. So yeah. that's a critical thing for yeah. us. You know, so I've got a philosophy that works on uh, engagement, and it's that there must be value at all points of engagement. Uh, is that true? Very, is it does it hold true in the CRM model? Or is it sort of like one way for the most part? Well. Again, the ideal, the ideal is that CRM or custom engagement is a two-way street. Yeah. So you mentioned um, strategy. And, I mean, I, you and I have known each other for a while, and I know that strategy for you is always the start. And Brett, you know me and my mindly and my pictures and that. This dude draws pictures. Okay, I mean, we're talking old-school pen and paper pictures. But that being said… I'm not how, that old, Brett. <laughs> But you still know how to use it. You know, my son said to me the other day, when you were young, did you have color? And I'm like, what? I'm not that old, bro. And I said, look outside, there's color. No, you didn't TV. answer the question, did yeah, you? I, I did have color. Okay. Thank you. Um, you had a lot of color in We even face. had disposable nappies as well. If you, actually, no, we didn't. Anyway, so going back to the question, um, let's say you write a strategy. Okay. Write and it or write it? Write. Okay. All right. You can write later, but let's write the strategy first. Let's sit there. These customers are spending a lot of money on this because mm. this is what they need to do. They need to be top of mind. They need to have plans. If this, then that. What is the role of a company like yourselves and or anyone involved in the sector to ensure that the client actually does the CRM? Because otherwise it has a negative effect mm. on you. You guys said we should do this. You suggested we do this. We did it. Nothing worked. How do you measure the efficacy of a of a CRM program or um, platform? You know, there's obviously you mentioned software. Mm. Let's go into some of those. Mm. Do they give you the measurement? We like software on the show. We've had lots of people come on the show talking about software. So, do you have examples of that kind of stuff? Is this is there proprietary stuff that you use? Um, does it go cross platform, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera, those type of well, I mean, there, there are so many variables in the measurement, the measurement of, of successes of campaigns. Um, but just to let me break it up sure. into a couple of you, you threw about 10 questions at me there. So let's try and break it down. <laughs> All right. Seeing I'll try and apply my strategic brain to this. Um, so let's start with, with the customer's expectations. I think that, uh, the, the clients that we're dealing with currently, um, the marketing people in those environments are, 
very aware of where they need to be with their businesses. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't be talking to us. I think the biggest challenge for them, in in especially, I mean, we work with some really big corporates um, and and medium sized companies as well. And I mean, we've got some great case studies on on some smaller uh, companies as well. It really depends on ultimately what their business objectives are. And I think that's one of the critical things is that the CRM strategy now has to mirror the business strategy. It's not something that sits out there in the ether that one does an, as, an after, as an afterthought. I think it becomes almost centralized to the engagement because at the end of the day, what CRM does is it sells. It should engage the customer to the point where you can sell him a service or a product and if you're doing it well, you should retain that customer. And if you do it even better, then you should be able to cross-sell and upsell that customer. And I have this this little diagram, unfortunately, on radio, so I can't draw <laughs> See, it. See, I told you, he's got a diagram. <laughs> Talk us through the diagram. Well, you know, it's it's called the customer engagement quadrant. And, okay. And, and you've got to look at customer engagement very much like an interpersonal relationship, right? So like a, like a romantic relationship. Okay, I'll try and keep my head forward onto the mic, Brett. Good, keep your head forward onto the mic. Um, so like most relationships, they start off in the exciting yet unstable quadrant, right? So that's like first date stuff, sweaty palms, pulse racing. You know, it's probably a long time for you, but you might remember that. Yeah. Yep. Long time Lots ago. Lots of expectations. And, you know, you've done three, four dates and now things become more comfortable and you move in with each other. And so that relationship then moves to the stable and exciting place. All right. And that's where you want to be. That's the. So this is quadrant two now. That's quadrant two. All okay. right. And then we move into what I call the old slippers phase, right? So now you've lived together for a while and now you've seen each other in your underwear on a Sunday morning. Have you farted in front of each other yet? No. Okay. You're not in quadrant three. I'm not in that quadrant. (laughs) Um, And then comes the, the fourth stage, which is the unstable and unexciting phase of that relationship. Now, Business relationships work in exactly that same that same way. So the mainstream advertising sets up the expectation, the TV, the radio, the print. It brings you into that relationship. So now you have what's called the ZMOT moment, the zero moment of truth, is when your expectation meets that first engagement. Now, in the online space, that first engagement can be the web in an in a in a retail environment, that first engagement could be walking into the store, so your first experience. In a service-based environment, it could be a call center, all right? So we've all had lots of call center environment experience, and that doesn't always go very well. Um, and you then move – then you move into if, – if that customer has a good experience, and they obviously move into that quadrant two, which is exciting and stable, and that's where you want to keep your customer. How you then deal with that customer going forward becomes the critical point, right? So for me, again, a good example is car brands. Car brands either do this exceptionally well or exceptionally badly. Or exceptionally badly, right? cuck, yeah. So, so you buy that car, you're excited, you've got that f- new leather smell of your vehicle. And, you know, your first experience is your purchase experience, your second experience is then the f- the first service experience. 
when you start heading outside of your motor plan, it becomes a whole different experience, depending whether you're buying a new car or a second-hand vehicle. And this obviously varies brand to brand. Sure. You know, so I think there where you have a customer potentially engaged for anything from five to seven years, you have huge opportunity to engage that customer over and over again in a positive way. How important is it to keep updating the relevance of that engagement? It's it's highly important because obviously I should understand your life cycle. So something, again, that we use, cradle to grave, right? If you can engage your customer as early as possible, now in a retail environment, in a banking environment, and again, I use F&B by example, um, I applied for a card for my son who was all of nine years old at that stage. I was business banking with them. They came to my office and delivered that card to me. And I was blown away simply because I thought, why waste their time? But they, they realized the value of that potential customer. You well, know, look, so you're talking about it X number of years later. I mean, that's, absolutely. that's the relationship yeah. side of it. So, so I think it's, it's critical to understand the life cycle of your customer. And not all customers are created equal. You know, you get some customers who, who uh, are of less value to you. It doesn't mean they're important and that they're not important to you, but financially, if you, obviously in business, you're looking at the financial value of a customer. Mm. So you have to start segmenting your base and looking at where you're, where you can offer the best value, the most value to the customers. Okay. And that, that will usually unfold during the life cycle of that customer. Yeah. How does, how does, CRM versus customer service. Where does do they are they sisters? Are they twins or are they distant cousins? Does one hand off to the other and say, "Well, it's your problem now." Cheers. Depends if they're twins. If there's going to be a handoff from one to the other. Yeah, well, okay. Okay. Words. Nothing but words. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so there's always um, and uh, well, yeah. uh, welcome to Cliff Central. Yeah. There should be a sound effect for that. Yeah. So. I think I think that that they are integrated. Actually, I think that customer service is a critical component because, again, I think that if you've ever had a bad customer experience, and you've dealt with an organisation who have understood that experience, that you've had a bad experience, if they've apologised, if they've made good, you are probably more loyal beyond that experience mm-hmm. than than the before you were with that brand and I think that also becomes one of those learnings that that negative customer experiences are not necessarily bad you know it it shows you how to improve your service levels how to engage with your customer and and language becomes a critical thing here too so basically I had a follow up okay carry on no you carry on no no it's fine carry on the follow up sure yep carry on thanks (laughs) sorry this happens sometimes guys we're just having a little tiff on the side of the table um, so the follow-up question would be, so you've got customer service, uh, CRM, and uh, we are now sort of laser-focusing our attention on CRM to a specific buyer, consumer. Mm-hmm. Where does the emotion, the, the warm and fuzzy, do, do we, are we doing away with that, or is that sort of a new set? Are we going to have the warm and fuzzy management tool that comes out in the next 10 years? Okay, so I'm glad you asked that question. Also one of my pet projects Um so emotion is everything for me from a brand perspective because mentioned I mentioned earlier the whole parity thing. Yeah. So again, in the past we spoke about something called the USP, unique sales proposition, right? So now we have something called the UEP, and it's not a new thing, but I just want to highlight it. So the UEP is the unique emotional proposition. If you are in a parity space 
and you can't own a feature and benefit because, and let's use smartphones by example, all right? One of Brett's favorite topics, okay? So he unfortunately has an Apple. I've got a Samsung. He occasionally um, has a BlackBerry Pro. Yeah, and, and when his Apple doesn't work, then he'll have a loaner phone. Um, the point is that if you compare feature for feature, it is very difficult to differentiate one from the other. So the question then arises, what is my emotional connection to that brand? And I think in customer relationship management or customer engagement, you can the, – the emotional engagement with the customer, in other words, empathizing with that customer, understanding where they are in the life cycle, talking differently to a woman than you do to a man – or differently to a 25-year-old than you are to a 45-year-old. And this yeah. comes back to, comes back to under language. Talk to me in my language. And I'm not talking about vernacular. I'm talking to you. Talk to me in my language of, of my lifestyle. Yeah. All right. So it's really understanding where I am in that curve from cradle to grave and where I am in terms of my income group. So it, it is very important for the, the, communications department, marketing department, and the agencies to understand how to talk to those customers. Can with, I, with that said, oh, shush, Brett. Uh, with I, that I'm said, just going to turn my mic off and sit here and twiddle my I actually, I actually have a WhatsApp here from, from Brett. That's occasionally how we communicate silently in the studio. And he's saying, well, then talk away. And I'm like, I'm going to. That was 10 Shh. minutes ago. You haven't stopped. <laughs> <laughs> and the mic gets turned off. <laughs> okay, now I'm, I'm no, jumping no, in. Cool. Yeah, Here's something, we, we've talked about the positive aspects. Mm-hmm. Okay, and this is what I was going to get to earlier, especially the car reference. How easy is it to win back the customer? Now, there's been simple things for me in my past where CRM has gone so wrong. Example, dear Brett, spelt wrong. Happy birthday, wrong date. I mean, at that point, I'm not your customer anymore. You're an asshole. Rel- uh, you can't, is out the window. Yeah, the, it doesn't matter what you do. Now, can you get back from that or... You, how would you even know about that? Because I haven't picked up the phone and phoned them and said, the reason I didn't buy another one of your cars when I was due for an upgrade is because you're idiots. Mm. You know, Do you have these mechanisms in place that kind of sit there and track? I mean, we're talking about it being software-centric. Okay, okay. So, so again, this starts off with a strategy called a win-back strategy. Um, and again, you've got to look at the value of that win-back. So first of all, you've got to understand the value of the customer. Um and then you, we basically map a win-back strategy, and that strategy is based on a number of uh, engagements with that customer, and, and depending on what kind of product you're dealing with. So in a car environment, um, it becomes a little bit more challenging because if you've had a really bad experience with a car brand, you probably have moved on to the next brand, right? So if we look at uh, if, if we look at stats and models then the chances of me winning you back um, is anything from three to seven years. And why I say that is because of the finance model. So if you look True. at car finance models yep. now, they are they are keeping you in that car for up to seven years. And, yep. and so is, it, is there value in me pursuing you as a customer if I know that I'm not going to get you out of that car for the next seven years? So the challenge here for us is to then find out where you are in that cycle. But there comes a cutoff point when you, when it, when the amount of money that you're spending on marketing those people, um, 
it's just you not need worth to, it. Exactly. Yeah. The value, you've got to look at the value of that, you know, and it sounds a little ruthless, but I think at the end of the day, you know, it is, it is about looking at your marketing budgets and obviously everything that we work, that we do is works with a budget. So yeah. you have to work within a budget and to come back to long way around, but to come back to your measurement question earlier on, Brett. So a lot of what, what we do is we look at, um, so from a budgetary point of view, how do you manage the most effective campaign within a set budget. The challenge now comes around how do you lock off the inputs into that campaign that allows you to measure it effectively. So, again, there are a number of triggering mechanisms that you can measure effectiveness. So if you're going in the online space, if I send you an email and there's a click-through on that email and you land on my web page, I can track that. I can manage that, right? So that would be... I can report back on that and say we had X number of click-throughs, but obviously that's not a sale yet. That's simply you engaging with me as a brand and saying, okay, well, I'm interested. Mm. So now it depends on what that user experience is, that user journey from that point on, which brings us into a whole different space. I just got a a message come through now saying, where does inbound sit with us? Now, that was one of the questions I was going to ask, and I think it's a great question. Excuse me, but... um, Inbound marketing is another big buzzword that seems to go hand in hand when we start looking at the the customer cycle, the relationship cycle. Is this a space that you've played in, worked with? I mean, I know things like HubSpot Mm. are inbound-centric. I mean, Brett, I don't know if you've got anything to weigh in here on inbound. Nope. Okay, so Manfred, if if that's not something that you deal Mm. with, I mean, I I know a little bit about inbound, so I can try and answer the question, but inbound is pretty much when a brand will communicate with a customer based on certain demographics that have been extracted and they do it automatically. So an email will come through and if there's no response in day three, another email will go out, but the email will be worded differently and say, you know, we sent you this great deal three days ago. Maybe you didn't get it. We're here to help you. Well, I, you know, again, Brett, that that's very much part of that win back strategy is, is a number of triggering points. So, I mean, when, for instance, just using something as simple as an email campaign. As I mentioned earlier on, the language is all important. Sure. So if I don't know who you are as a customer, and and again, I caution that one doesn't just blanket a whole stack of people in your in your target market with the hope of catching somebody with that. Gone are the days of shotgun. Yeah, so, you can't so, do that. You send me an email that goes, "Dear valued customer, delete." You know, so so it comes back to, again, if if. If you don't know who you're talking to and you've got a database and, you know, you've bought in a database and it's, it's not database. very well segmented. So what you do is you develop a number of different, and again, in this case, emailers, you, you have a number of different approaches and you see which ones of them work. Sometimes you've got to test the market. You've yeah. got to see what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. You know, I mean, SMS is the same thing. You know, there's a fine line between spam and relevant SMS, you know, um, Unless I really understand you, unless I know where you are in your life cycle with a particular brand or product, if I've got you engaged, if you have a loyalty card, the chances are that you will read it, but it might not be relevant to you to come back to your pound of, not pound of flesh. Well, where's your mind <laughs> your, your, going? Your, your, your ribs. Uh, what was it? That oh, you, my kg of ribs, and we went you know, from that to a pound of flesh. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So so the Merchant past, of Venice. We got to Merchant of Venice all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, 
it's, you know, I know this sounds like a bit of a broken record, but it's always about relevance and timing. Timing is so critical, you know. So again, there, there are lots and lots of statistics out there when you should be sending sure. out messages, which time of the day you should be sending it out, um, and, and what time of the day you should be sending out. So not, that yeah. comes, that comes back to the customer education thing, that, that gap that, that I've experienced with our clients. And the big bit there is strategy. So there are people like yourselves who exist and are there to help customers or so the business to business um, engagement happen where you guys go in and say, well, look, we know what your objectives are. Let's help you develop the strategy with where the reach happens and the frequency. Which kind of brings me on to another topic, which is innovation. All right. No, so, so Futurology show. <laughs> It's Brett, the year of innovation Brett, for Brett's us. Got, yeah, Brett's got his hand up. The year of innovation. Let's go. And it's not innovation. It's innovation. You know, it's, it's innovation. Innovation. And, and uh, I think that also becomes all important because yeah. there, the, there are a plethora of channels out there and touch points. If you don't start if – you, if you, let me just get the English right here. If you don't start using those channels effectively, then you – Fall into that whole spam stream of, sure. of communication. So, yeah. innovation, the way you use apps, the way you engage with customers. And I mean, we did a fantastic uh, case study with a retail store called, uh, called Zoom. I'm sorry, Loom. Loom. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Take um, us through that. And, you know, again, the challenge with, with those kind of retail environments, store environments, is that, you know, once the doors close, you can't, as a customer, you can't access their merchandise. So how do you bring that sale to the customer, right? So yes, there's the online environment. You can take that online. But for instance, in this case where it was in a very buzzy neighborhood, um, what we did is really we, we created mechanisms that the customer at the store front window could engage with that brand. All right. So mm-hmm. download apps, QR codes, and using various mobile technologies to engage with, with, with that, uh, with those various brands in the, in the window. And also then utilizing things like clothing tags and yes. tool slips to keep that engagement going. So tailoring the experience, understanding who your customer is, giving him examples. So for instance, you buy a jacket, there's a tag on there. Yep. You, you scan in the QR code and we start tracking and and looking at what you're buying and we will then on the till slip give you examples of how you can mix and match that item of clothing that's fantastic that's cool. you know? so last week we had zappa on the show and uh, they're doing some great things not only are they an instant uh, payment mechanism with your mobile device but they're also tracking market research mm-hmm. uh, analytics as well which is fantastic so so what we added to that yeah. was um so into that geo yeah, geotagging app yes so is the weather app so yep. not only did the tool slip tell you what you wear, but also when to wear it because it would now give you a weather, weather report on the back of it. They're obviously not Cape Town based, hey, because no one could get that right. <laughs> so, <laughs> Dressed like an onion, hope yeah. the best. So, <laughs> I mean, the, and I think that's really where, where innovation now kicks in. I mean, all this tech exists, but what is it doing with it, you know? And I think one of the big things on our side, I mean, we develop new We'd like to think there are always innovative uh, new solutions for clients, uh, but the important thing to remember is that they don't or they don't replace human beings. Mm. It's great to have a customer relationship management tool, but there is still a human being at some point that has to discern and interpret how we're going to engage with that client. And I think that's the nice thing. There are occasions when you said, when I got phoned and was put in hold immediately, and you were phoned by the automated voicemail. Yeah, uh, that's very annoying. 
it's very nice to know that there is a human being sometimes, as much as we like this automated, quick, fast world. Well, there's also... I think well, you're looking at one. Yes. I mean, he's the human this being the that's human behind being. the strategy. Yeah, Hello, human but, being. Well, not just 103Z slash 4. But what uh, I think... And so this brings us onto another topic, which is internal marketing. Yeah. So it's, depending on the size of the organization, you've got to get all your staff members on the same page. And, and this is something that I'm really, really passionate about is, you know, your your customer, your brand experience can fall apart with your first contact. If you've got a grumpy call center agent on the other end of the phone or you're dealing with a salesperson who doesn't know what they're talking yep. about, there goes that whole uh, build up from from the television, the radio, the print advertising that you've seen in one file swoop. Yeah. It can take it's so a few true, seconds, huh? and yeah. all they need to do is send out a tweet and get it shared a couple of times. And absolutely, and if so, you're not prepared, so, I mean, speaking to you know PR, and every person is now a journalist. You know, every person is a journalist because they've got a device and in their hand voice, yeah. that can video record, that can voice record, um, and. It can crush a brand very, very quickly if they sure. if they are not careful how they engage with their customers. So, um, I think staff become a critical component in yes. making sure that um, that organisation actually delivers on its brand promise. And if the staff don't understand what their business represents from an integrity point of view or yeah. from an ethics point of view, then then that can fall apart very, very quickly. Yeah, I've always said that what good external communication requires good internal communication. It starts there. there. It, it has to start there yeah. first. You actually do your internal comms first before you do your external communication. Otherwise, you know, any the greatest campaign in the world will fall flat if your staff don't know what you are about to launch. You can have a small sales team or you can have everybody in your company be a sales force. Well, that's, that's the thing. I mean, I, I did a campaign 10 years ago way before social was the tool that we used. And it and it was, all we did was simply print a t-shirt that said, I am and the name of the brand. And on a Friday, we gave these t-shirts to all 320 odd employees that worked in the company. And the, the research that we had done was that with all the products that this company offered, the staff didn't know more than three. And there were hundreds or thousands of products that were actually in this company. But everyone could name three. And the three... Two out of the three seem to be the same for everyone. So it really showed you. And exactly what you're saying, we drove it from the brand inside out. They went home wearing these T-shirts and the families and the friends were like, oh, well, tell us more. Mm-hmm. And we started this this training um, of the internal team. And the sales went through the roof because now all of a sudden people were actually interested in what they did, how they did it, who they did it for. And most importantly, if they didn't keep doing it, they weren't going to earn a living. Yeah. I, I mean, think that was the, the, the crucible. I mean, one, one of my pet hates, for instance, is, is, is uh, tellers. Check out tellers. Right? Yeah, I must say they're not my – and post office you tellers. Know, it's, it's in, in, in big retail chains because – There are post office tellers? Apparently. Oh. Because, I mean, those people are often the only human touch point that you yeah. have in that environment because it's a self-service store. Yep. So you walk in there with your trolley and you walk around the aisles and you help yourself to all these things. And, I mean, with Iran plummeting the way that it is, um, when you get to the till point and you're handing over a cool three or 4,000 rands worth of shopping, and that's just your weekly shopping, um, then that person sitting there using the scanner, I feel they should at least look at me yeah. and engage me in some way whilst I'm paying them and not have a conversation with a packer. Or, mm-hmm. But I don't blame that person. I blame the management the training, for not yeah. training their sure. staff. But Bec- that's, that's become you know. the sort of this digital 
market that we're in now is that everybody's we're, we're very discerning about where we spend our money mm. and what we spend our money on but we're very very eager to have a good experience because experiences are worth mm. sharing and if the experience is shit you know well we're going to share it you yeah. probably you can bet your bottom dollar we're going to share it now that that brings me to if i can just change mm. the, the the tangent a bit we're in the last 10 minutes yeah. of the show it, we've spoken about how do we get clients, how do we keep the management and the, keep the relationship really nice. Uh, we've spoken about win back. Mm. Now, a while back, I heard from uh, one of my business mentors about shaking the tree. And occasionally, a couple of clients fall out, and that's okay. You move on. You mm. make space, and you, you keep going. How does that work in with CRM? I mean, at a certain point, you've engaged, you've engaged, you've engaged, no response. Uh, it's okay. We're going to move on and get mm-hmm. someone else. We don't want to bother you for the rest of eternity. Uh, how does, do you guys work strategy into letting go? in order to grow um again that's part of that win back strategy yeah. where you literally map it 30 60 90 days into that engagement and at some point you you have to just meet be realistic and say okay we we haven't had the response back and with this product or service the chances of bringing that customer back is very very slim and it's going to cost us too much to yeah. bring that customer back so the value starts to decline as the time starts to increase absolutely okay. and also you know if you if the customer experience has been so bad at that point or there's been there's been a problem that that customer is not sharing with you yeah. then you can't fix that exactly you know? and you've you have to then just accept as good that as the got information you've got but I, i'd like to just briefly quickly move more into the sort of corporate one business to business space because you know that becomes a little bit more complex um because now you you're talking about larger contracts and engagements with customers in that space so there and just again you know, where you, where you're engaging a customer now with a potential closing of a contract in a year or two's time, that becomes a, a, a team effort. So, yeah. you know, there's only so much that you can achieve with, with one-on-one comms. You then need the sales team to engage with that customer on a regular basis. And then if you do all those steps correctly, then hopefully when the customer is ready to move from one solution to the next, you then at that point, at that right contact point because you've now laid the groundwork. I'm going to throw a little bit of a spanner in the works there as well. I was just thinking about listening to You've got to a big bag of spanners. I'm I know. I have to. That's my job. I throw spanners. Just call me the mechanic. Or the tool. Or the tool. Oh, there we go. <laughs> nice. And those flat tires outside are being ordered. Um, Snapchat. I mean, it's all over the news at the moment that Snapchat is now the number one network for the teens, which is your, your 13, 19 category. At the beginning of the show, you, you know, you mentioned that you need to own the customer from the infantile stage and, mm. and the brand needs to grow and adapt with that customer. So how the hell do we speak to these people if their form of communication and more importantly consumption, okay, mm. is 10 seconds? I mean, for those people that don't know how Snapchat works, you send a message or a picture or whatever it is that you want to send and it lasts on the screen for 10 seconds. I know why the teens are going that way because those pictures that shouldn't be sent can be sent and they disappear. Sorry for you can actually screenshot a phone. But anyway, the point is, is that they live in this absolute immediacy of consumption. I mean, 10 seconds, it, we've, they gone 10 seconds. Yeah, but they don't live in a vacuum. And, and so in order for them to activate Snapchat, there has to be a data stream that comes in to them. That so is, yep. if you own the data stream, and they have to purchase it either via their parents or with their pocket money, there are different engagement 
or potential engagement points there. So it's really looking at and understanding some of the peripheral stuff that's going on with the technology. You know, again, I'm sort of a big advocate of the fact that some of the core marketing principles that applied 20 years ago still apply today. The technology has evolved, you know, but, but strategically speaking, there's still certain steps that you need to go through. And, and touch points, engagement points is one of those. We've just got so many more and that obviously makes it much more complex. And that's why companies like our Kenya exist because customers often don't have the internal resource or the internal expertise and know how, how to manage those different customer touch points. And that's really where we come in. We sit down with a client and we discuss and look at what the business objectives are, how they engage the customers, how can we help, how can we innovate, what can we bring to the table from other experiences to to really help them evolve into the digitized space. For sure. What is a what is a timing cycle on a project like that? You know, I know it depends on the size of the client, but I mean, I've always said to clients. Don't make a Facebook page unless you're ready to manage a Facebook page. There's nothing worse than putting up a page that does nothing. You know, like, well, go visit us on Facebook and there's three likes. We have a digital strategy that we, we use uh, on our side. And it's, uh, it's very much like toothpaste out the tube. It's like real-time marketing. You've got to have a strategy because, mm. well, if you get toothpaste out the tube, you can't put it back in. So before you squeeze the tube, make sure you know <laughs> what you're doing. Um, so if you're going to put something on your website, put it on your Facebook, put it on Twitter, make sure you've got some sort of idea. And the same with the CRM. Have a strategy before you commit mm. to doing things Look, because I, you can't get it out the digital space. I think, again, new buzz term, there's content curation, right? So how do you manage that process and, and having relevant, fresh, new content all the time for your brand? There's no hard and fast rule to say this is the timeline. I okay. think the timeline is what is manageable, but I, I fully agree with you. I think the the biggest challenge is to convince your customers not to launch something until they are ready. Because once you've opened that can, to, no, and I think toothpaste tube, not cans. <laughs> can you can put back in. Uh, yeah, but once you've <laughs> torn the words, seal, eh? once the seal's broken, you know you can't give it back. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think it's all around around understanding how to unpack that content and, and, and how to manage it in the different, in the different streams. Um, but it's, it's a challenge because obviously you have to meet certain objectives and targets. And so it, it's a bit of a push and pull with us all the time, you know, um, but there is no hard and fast. This is how long it shall take. You know, it, how, how far, how many resources can you afford? I think that's probably the bigger question. You throw more resource at the problem, you can get it out faster. But I think everyone's on tight budgets. And so it becomes a critical thing to, to manage this intelligently. Thought of the day. Thought I think it's time. I think it's time for thought of the day. Yep. Yeah. We've, we're pretty much there. Well, basically it comes down to the fact that there's no secret recipe for how to make sure that you've got customer relationships in place. You've got to make sure that there's a good strategy. You've got to make sure that you keep it up. It's not something about winning it once and keeping it forever. Uh, and I think that if you are a company at the moment that doesn't understand your demographic or have specific channels that you know how to market to or keep going, there are people that you can talk to. Manfred's one of them. Go out and get involved with uh, Ikenios. Check out the tweets. Let's get something going there. But it's important to have strategy because with the right information, you can make the right decisions. So get better decisions, get better drill down and analytics of who you're talking to so it's relevant all the time and that relevant will start to be rewarding. Uh, so relevant information with strategy 
Awesome. Thoughts. So, not much of a thought. I'll thank try you for, next for joining us to, today. We appreciate it. Uh, definitely an enlightening chat. And uh, until next time, keep your screens clean and your knobs shiny. Yeehaw. This is CliffCentral.com.